Awesome. Um, you know, my wife and I, we have a lot of admiration for Eric and just Epic Life. Um, we started about two years ago, our young adult ministry. And before we started, God told me to just see what all the young adults, uh, the services they're doing in the city and just glean from them. And Eric, he was uh, very open. Um, he's been sharing his resources, his time, and just has a big heart for, for young adults. So I'm honored that you called me a friend and I'm even more honored to be here speaking um, to the people that you help lead. So give Eric a round of applause. And yes, you saw my uh, beautiful, gorgeous wife and my lovely daughter. And I always like to give a shout out to my, my DPA. Um, at my church, we have something called PPA, which is pastor's personal assistant. Um, but I have daddy's personal assistant in the house today. So um, shout out to DJ, amen. Well, if you don't mind, I'm gonna go ahead and um, open us up in a word of prayer. And I, I believe God has given me a word for you guys and my prayer is that you will receive it. Amen. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you and we praise you. Father, we thank you that in your presence, Lord, there's freedom, there's liberty. And Father, we thank you that in your presence, Lord, um, your, your, your glory manifests through us. And God, I just pray that the word that I will speak today will be um, with simplicity and clarity. Help me to articulate myself that everyone who is listening can receive the word on good ground. Father, I pray that as you see fit, that you will confirm your word with miracles, signs, and wonders. And Father, I thank you for just um, giving the people a word um, in due season, fitly spoken. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, if you can, uh, go, with, go with me to Exodus 33. And some of you guys, somebody like myself, I like titles. So before I read you the title of my message, I would like to first open up in the scriptures, Exodus 33 verse 13. I don't know if we got, yes, we got screen action. Shout out to the media ministry. Amen. Um, and can I, do we have amplified version? Okay, no worries. We can work with this. It says, now, therefore, I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, this is Moses speaking, show me now thy way that I may know thee, that I might find grace in the sight and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. Everyone say, my presence. Amen. Notice we need the presence of God before we can get the rest of God. Amen. Um, next verse. It says, and he said unto him, if thy presence go not with me, this is Moses speaking, carry us not up hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not I excuse me, is it not in that thou goest with us, so, sh so shall we be separate, separated, excuse me, I and thy people from all the people that are upon the face of earth. And the title of my message is called Driven by His Presence. Somebody say to your neighbor, say, Driven by His Presence. Um, we see that Moses, um, God had put um, an assignment on his life, an assignment that was connected to his destiny, and Moses, before he even moved in that assignment, he wanted to make sure that God was with him. Amen. He wanted to make sure that the presence of God was with him before he began to do the work of God. And today I want to talk about driven because as young adults, there's many things that can drive our lives. We can be driven by fear. We can be driven by lust, ambition, success, all of these different things. And I realized that although some of those things I mentioned are good, 
None of them would get you to the destiny that God has for you unless it's coming from a place of being driven by God. Amen. One thing I realized that principles can offer success, but presence offers destiny. And it's so important that we shouldn't be afraid of failing. We should be more afraid at succeeding at the wrong things. Succeeding at the things that God has not authorized us to do in his presence in our intimate time with him, which is extremely important. And I want to also bring you to a scripture, Psalms 103 and 7, because as I begin to study on being driven by his presence, we see that Moses was very driven by God, but the people he led wasn't so driven by God. And when you try to go for the promises of God without the presence of God, you'll stay in the wilderness a lot longer than God intended for you to be in there. So I want to encourage everybody today that it's so important to cultivate the presence of God in your lives because you can't have the promise without the presence. They go hand in hand. And when you try to pursue promises without presence, you stay in the wilderness or you, you, you stay in situations longer than what God wanted you to stay in. Amen. Anybody in here with me? The children of Israel, it was deemed to say that it was only a 11, 12 or 14 day journey to the promised land. But because of their uh, murmuring and complaining, because they were driven by their, their appetites, driven by the scripture says in First Chronicles 10, lust and tempting God, they stayed in the wilderness a lot longer than God intended for them to stay in. Amen. So I want to help us identify what is driving our lives, because we do need to locate what's driving our lives. And once we locate what is, we need to change it. And there's things we can do to be driven by God. Amen. Because it's only being fueled by the presence of God and being driven by God. You can go where God wants you to go. And God has amazing things in store. And he's looking to use a generation of people who are driven by him in light of what's happening around the world. Amen. Because we can have principles and be successful. But destiny is only going to come from presence. And that's, that's so important to know because the world, they use the principles of God, but they don't want our God. And Christians, they have the presence of God, but they don't use principles sometimes of excellence and other things. Amen. They think just because God is on it that they don't have to incorporate certain principles like diligence and certain principles of excellence and certain principles of that, that, that we need because God given, he's given us these principles so that we can build his kingdom. But when we don't have his presence, but we've learned his principles, we're building a kingdom that he didn't authorize, which is a kingdom based on what we want. That's humanism. That's, that's self-sufficiency. And we see from the beginning of time in Genesis 1 and 2, if you ever want to know what original intent God had for humanity, read Genesis 1 and 2. And what I see is before God gave humanity dominion, he first gave them presence. He gave them character. He gave them image because in order for that glory connection from heaven to earth to continue to flow in this earth realm, presence was the thing that kept it all together. Amen. That's how Adam was able to name all those animals. He, he wasn't a zoologist. He didn't go to school. He was in the presence of God. And in the presence of God, there's concepts, there's ideas, there's revelation. There's there's all type of things that that are in that spirit realm that you get to in the presence of God, that you have this supernatural ability to do things that you've never done before. But that's in the presence. Somebody say the presence. Go with me to Psalms 103, 103 and seven. And I, as I as I reflect on God telling me. Don't be afraid of failing. Be afraid at succeeding at the wrong things. God began to show me you can live a perfectly good life, but a wrong life. 
You can do everything that you pursued and because you use principles, it will have some success to it. But it doesn't mean that it was part from his presence. Amen. Just think if Moses stayed under the Egyptians and stayed leading with Pharaoh, he would have never got connected to destiny when he left that. Amen. When 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 he was called out of Egypt into the wilderness, but not to stay there to be lost, but to stay there to cultivate the presence so he can go back to Egypt and deliver those who he came out of from. Amen. God doesn't have us go to the wilderness to be wilder, but to be amazed. He he provides these wilderness situations to teach us the supernatural. To teach us that man doesn't live on bread alone, but by every word that what proceeds out of the mouth of God. But we are trying to do the things of God without spending time with God. We are so busy like Mary, but not, or excuse me, like Martha, but not sitting at the feet like Mary with Jesus. Amen. We can be so busy, but not productive. But God has called us to enter into a finished work, a rest. Amen. A rest that comes from his presence. What is a rest? Say, what is a rest? Ask me real quick. Rest is a finished work. What does that mean? There's something God once done on earth that he already finished, but he created you and I to start it. I'm going to say that again. There's something God once done on earth that he's finished because the Bible says in Isaiah, he created it from the end to the beginning. So he created you to start something he's finished. But it's only in the presence of God that he reveals line upon line, precept upon precept, the things that he has for you. Amen. And he doesn't want to just give you the game plan all at once, because if he gave you the game plan, you might not spend time with the presence. This is why he says, uh, take up manna only for today. Amen. Because he wants us to rely on him every single day and not store up manna in our life or try to live on yesterday's word when we have tomorrow's problems. Amen. We have to focus on his presence. Tell your neighbor his presence. Psalms 1 and 3, it says, he made known his way unto Moses, his acts unto the children of Israel. What is his ways? His ways is the mind of God. The children of Israel knew what was in God's hand, but they didn't know what was in his mind. And if you can understand the ways of God, you can get the promises of God. Amen. The Bible says all the promises of God are yes and amen, whether that's relationships whether that's success, business, everything we want should derive from what he wants, which is in his presence. You guys with me? Now, there's a, there's a danger. Everyone say, what's that danger? Go with me to uh, Exodus 32 and 1. And I kind of like to build a foundation before I kind of just lift off. So if you guys can, is, is it okay to read scriptures in here? Amen. I hope so. <laughs> Praise God. I hope I'm in the right place. Exodus 32 and 1. I, I preached somewhere, and, and, and I don't use a lot of scriptures, but they was like, you use way too much scriptures. I was like, okay, amen. <laughs> I'll try to tone it down a little bit. I'll freestyle it. I won't use the scriptures. You know, I'll just come, come off the head. So Exodus 32 and 1. Um, and, and, and I'm going to help us locate in the word what, what's driving in our lives and, 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 and what is the cost to his presence. Now, when I say cost... It's not something you have to pay for. Christ paid for it. But what I realized, Christ paid for us to get into his presence, but there's still a dying to ourselves to enter into that presence. Amen? Amen? The blood of Jesus doesn't give us freedom to not fight. The blood of Jesus gives us the power and the access to the presence of God. So from that place, we have the strength to fight. 
Exodus 32 and 1, it says, when the people saw that Moses delayed coming down from the mountain, what is Moses doing? Moses is seeking the presence of God. Check this out. They gathered together to Aaron and said to him, make us, make us gods to go before us as for this Moses. Excuse me. Then the, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we do not know what has become of him. What happens when we are not in pursuit of the presence, we go back to our default settings. Sin begins to be a little bit more alluring and tantalizing because the Bible says you must walk in the spirit in order for not to fulfill the, the lust of the flesh. So walking is an action word. That means we have to pursue him constantly. We have to allow him to aid and abide in our lives. And as we're pursuing the presence, we come out of these addictive behaviors. We come out of these default settings of sin. And now we become to have that resurrection power in Christ Jesus. Amen. Everyone say regeneration. Every time you speak the word, meditate on the word, and act on the word, what's happening? God is regenerating his DNA in your life and getting you out of that degenerate nature. But that happens in presence. Somebody say presence. Go with me also to 2 Chronicles 16 and 9. God is good. His presence is what we live for. Amen. And the presence of God is a, it's, it's, it's a safe place. The Bible says where the presence of God is, wickedness has to flee. In the presence, there's, there's a secret place. And what is the presence? The presence is not this place as much as it is and an awareness that he's always around us. That he's always here with us. Because scripture says he will never leave us nor forsake us. So his presence is this level of awareness that God is always watching. He's always speaking. He's always leading. He's always prompting. So let me stay in tune with his presence so that I can hear where he's directing me. Amen. So I don't allow a 12 day journey to turn into 40 years of wondering. So I don't allow an addiction that I had at 12 to still grow in my life at 35. So I don't allow myself to keep attracting the same men or women that I attracted at 19, 20, and I'm still attracting the same type of guys or girls at 40. That, that's a wilderness situation. That means you haven't uh, properly submitted yourself to the presence of God so he can reveal things about you and what he has for you so you don't have to keep going back to the things you're used to. When you pursue the presence, he brings you, as the testimony says, to this vulnerable, unfamiliar place. But it's in that place that he's changing, he's altering, he's, he's sifting, he's pruning, and that's a great place to be. And we're going to see later that is a cost to be in that place. So it says, for the eyes, everyone say the eyes. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong in behalf, on behalf of those whose hearts are blameless toward him. You have done foolishly in this, therefore from now on you shall have wars. God is seeking people who seeking him. Amen. It, it was in the presence I found my wife. Anybody want to be married in here? Come on, it's, that's okay. That's a good thing. Amen. Anybody married? Raise your hand. So, let's try this again. Anybody want to be married? I was going to do some deliverance of some broken hearts then in Jesus' name. Because <laughs> we should all want to be married unless we got the gift to be single. Amen. Then, then we don't, you know. Praise the Lord. But it was in the presence. It was in the presence of God. What is that? What does that mean? The presence. It was me seeking God 
that I was so busy about pursuing kingdom work, God interrupted me and assisted me in seeking my mate. Amen. I, I found her in the presence. What does that mean? I found her in my pursuit in destiny. I don't want to marry somebody who just has good things about themselves. I need someone who has the same connection to my destiny. Amen. Because I need a destiny mate. I don't just need someone good. I need someone who is called to do destiny with me. Who's going to pray with me. Who's going to fight with me. Who's going to stand with me. And you can only find that type of person in the presence of God. Amen. Amen. And before we start pursuing, we need presence. If that man doesn't know how to cultivate the presence, you, you know, you need to allow him to kind of fall back a little bit because it's in presence. He knows how to lead. It's in presence. He starts the process to purpose. And then when you get purpose, then God gives you the promise of a mate. Amen. But we skip order. We skip God's process and we abort the purpose. When we skip God's process, everyone say when we skip God's process. We abort the purpose. Every promise that God has for you comes with the process. Amen. It, he, he has to process us to be ready for the things that we're praying for. Because if he gives us everything that we want when we want it, we may now neglect our relationship with him and just make what we wanted that he gave us an idol. And God doesn't want us to do that. He wants us to have presence. Amen. Where did I say go? I didn't. <laughs> um, go with me to Mark 10. Mark 10, verse 17. I want to kind of challenge you guys. You can be a good Christian and you can do good works, but still be missing on God's presence. What, what do I mean by that? God's presence sometimes leads us into difficulties and just when we think we have his presence he'll change coordinates on us to let just just to show you that you'll never come into a full knowledge of who he is that's something that we're going to learn on this earth and in, into, in eternity amen but we can do all the christian things we can pray we can check this off i tithe i give i can do this but we can still be missing out on his presence and i want to show you in scriptures mark 10 verse 17. Oh, we got amplified. Yee! <laughs> it says, and as he was setting out on his journey, a man ran up and knelt before him and asked him, teacher, you are essentially and perfectly morally good. What must I do to inherit life? That is to partake of eternal salvation in the Messiah's kingdom. Next verse. Uh-oh. I didn't say Mark 17 to this, huh? I just, I just gave you Mark 17. Let me, let me go there real quick. Do you guys have your Bibles? If you have it, say, I have it. Work on some patience right now then. Mark 10, verse 17. I want you to see this. I want us to see that we can have a checklist of everything we're doing right, but still be missing out on a deeper revelation, a deeper knowledge of who God is. Um, Mark 10, 17. And verse 18 says, and Jesus said to him, why do you call me essentially and perfectly morally good? There is no one essentially and perfectly morally good except God alone. 
You know the commandments. Do not kill. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your mother and father. Right now, what is Jesus saying? You got principle. And he replied to him, teacher, I have carefully guarded and observed all these and taking care not to violate them from my boyhood. And Jesus, looking upon him, loved him and said to him, you lack one thing. Tell your neighbor, you lack one thing. Tell your other neighbor, say, you lack one thing. He says, go and sell all you have and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and accompany who? Me, walking the same road that I walked. He had everything, but he didn't have presence. He chose to keep his life of success instead of Jesus introducing him to a life of destiny. Amen. He chose his principles. He chose what he thought was his checklist of what was good. But Jesus came to offer him something more, something greater, something deeper, which was a personal, more intimate knowledge and to walk with him. We got to be careful because sometimes in our pursuit of what we think we want, we might be missing out on what God wants. And he died to give you his life, not your life. It's his life that produces what his results that you actually want, but it's his life that produces his results. Amen. We can't pick and choose which part of the word we want to use. We can't pick and choose what part of God will take and what part of God we don't want to take to have the presence of God. God, why he might ask you to make a sacrifice in your life. Now, I'm not saying in this situation, let's just say hypothetically, he didn't follow Jesus. He probably still make it to heaven. Absolutely. But what he missed out is heaven invading earth through his life, through his surrender, through his sacrifice, because it's the presence of God that connects us to heaven's resources. This is why scripture says, set your affections on things above. What are you doing? Setting your affections on the presence of God. So therefore, as your affections is from heaven on heaven, you can now minister from that heavenly place to this earthly realm. We're dual citizens. We have the spirit of God. But we're in this earthly body. He's given us his spirit so he can communicate to us so that whatever he's telling us to do, we can we can apply it in our lives and we can bring his heavenly glory through this earth realm. You guys with me? Now, I want to show you something. Go with me. Well, you don't have to go. Just just listen. I'm going to paraphrase it. Um, are you guys familiar with Samson? Are you familiar with Joseph? Now, just introducing the story Samson um, the Bible had talked about him never cutting his hair to stay strong right and that if he cut his hair then his strength will leave him and him not cutting his hair was symbolic to God's relationship with him it was it was he was a Nazarite God was consecrating him that you're not like everybody else right but we see that in Samson not cutting his hair we see that um, the enemy began to assign a tax after his life, and he sent a Delilah. Say, oh, Jesus, a Delilah. <laughs> we rebuke any Delilahs in here, Jesus. Now, I'm just messing with y'all. <laughs> um, he sent a Delilah, right? Because Satan is always trying to bait people out of the will of God, out of the presence of God, through fear and self-sufficiency. When we go back to the garden, he tried to put doubt in Adam and Eve, did God really say that? Man, God tripping. 
God know that if you do this, you'll be like him. He just don't want you to be like him. Right? He begins to like allure us out of the presence of God. And by, but, but by things of doubt, things of you can handle that on your own through fear. And Eve, out of fear that she was missing out on something, she operated. She was driven by that fear. And it was through that fear they, they came out of that presence of God. Amen? But we see Samson, he had a Delilah in his life who the Bible says was pressing him day in, day out. Please tell me your strength. Please tell me how are you doing all of this different type of things. And we see that in this midst of him being either driven by God and his relationship or his lust, we see that Samson allowing the temptation of lust and giving into it, he lost his eyes. He lost his ministry. But God restored him and he ended up killing more uh, more Philistines when he died than when he was alive. But if you compare that to Joseph, Right. The same attack came on Joseph when Potiphar's wife and you got to understand Egyptian women were fine back in the day. They I mean, she was I'm pretty sure she wasn't ugly. I mean, this is Pharaoh's wife. I mean, he has the best of everything. So I'm pretty sure it was tempting. Satan ain't going to tempt you with a gorilla unless you like gorillas. (laughs) He's going to use something that you actually like. Amen. Or it's not a temptation. So we see Joseph having the same temptation. It says Potiphar's wife uh, uh, came after him day in and day out. And Joseph's response was, why would I do a sin like that against God? And the Bible says that the presence of God was with Joseph and it made him prosperous. We have two people, two people, both, uh, both challenged with lust. One gave into the lust, lost his whole ministry. One stayed driven by the presence of God and began to gain an empire second in command and saved a whole nation. Saved Israel because they were going into famine. You have to understand that if you're not driven by the presence of God, you open the doors for other things to drive you. You open the door for lust. You open the door for shame. And the thing about shame is shame always tries to get you to go back to your lust. Because you think you're not good enough to go back to the presence. Shame tells you you're not good enough. You, you, this, this was too big for God to forgive. Shame baits you back into your lust. And the thing about lust is you do not kill lust in your life by giving into lust. Lust always grows. Lust is never satisfied. Tell your neighbor, lust is never satisfied. And... I just feel like saying this and, and, and we don't, excuse me, I'm going to try to be tactful. We do not fight lust by um, entertaining self-sex, masturbation. Why is that? Because self-sex is centered on self and God designed sex to center on the other person. So we can't fight lust with masturbation. We have to fight lust with the presence of God, amen? It's in the presence of God. It's the word of God being uh, built up in our spirit. We now have the fuel to fight the things that are coming against us through our fleshly nature, amen? Self-sex, it takes away uh, intimacy. It, it says, hey, I don't feel like waiting. I'm going to try to satisfy myself apart from God's plan, amen? I feel a little awkward right now. I don't know why I'm on this side. No, I'm just <laughs> um, so we see Judges 
Samson gave in to what was driving him, which was his lust. Joseph gave in to what was driving him, which was the presence of God. And we see the results from those two different individuals. Amen. Um, I'm going to be concluding real soon. Go with me to Proverbs 4. How, as we're going there, how do you know what's driving your life? You know what's driving your life by the temptations you're giving into or the temptations you're overcoming. I'm going to say that again. How do you know what's driving your life? By the temptations that you keep giving into? We, it's, it's not about making a bad choice. It's about the temptations that you give into and you made it a lifestyle. Because we, we, we all can make a bad choice, but we shouldn't pattern a lifestyle out of that bad choice. So if we allow our temptations that tantalize us to keep giving into, that is what drives you. That's what drives you. But when you get to a place to where you spend time with God and you allow the presence of God to, to fill you up and you act on that, guess what? Neurologists study that every time you speak, every time you act, and every time that you do the word, you are changing your DNA. Every time you speak and act and do the word, you're changing your DNA. Why? Because God's DNA is in his word. And when you allow the word to come into your spirit and you act on that word, you now allow a form of God's DNA to begin to regenerate within you. So when you miss the opportunities to act or speak or do God's word, you're missing an opportunity for God to give you his DNA. And you're missing an opportunity to get his promises because to get the promises of God, you need the DNA of God. It's in his DNA, his spirit living in us, he reveals how to get to what he's called us, what he's promised us. Amen. You guys with me? Amen. Um, where did I say go? Proverbs 4 and 20. Did I say 20 to 22 or did I just say 20? Okay, I didn't give you that one. In this scripture, it says, keep your words before me. Keep them in my heart. They're flesh to, my, to, to our bones. And we see the scripture says, out of, out of our heart flows the issues of life. We have to make the word the final authority in our lives. The word of God. Tell your neighbor the word of God. The word has to be the final authority. What does that mean? Every, every thought, every, every circumstance, every situation, let me line it up with the word of God. And if it matches, okay, that's good. If it doesn't, then I need to park myself in neutral gear and make sure I hear from God and what I'm doing. Amen. Go with me also as I begin to conclude. Um, go with me to, I think I gave you this one, Luke 22. 42, Luke 22 and 42. You guys can go there, meet me there. Um, and it's, it's very interesting that I, I believe it was in 1 Samuel 8 that um, God wanted to be the king over Israel, which was the, he, he wanted to be that cloud by day and that fire by night, which represented his presence. But the children of Israel began to see what the surrounding nations had, which was a king. They began to covet things outside of the presence of God. And what happened is God allowed them to have an earthly king, which he knew was going to disappoint them, which brings me to my point. Sometimes God will give you what you want only to show you that you never needed it. Amen. Sometimes God will give you what you want only to show you you never need it and to say, come back, my daughter, come back to my son, come back to my presence. Amen. You never needed that. But that was my permissible will. But that wasn't my my will, my, my full will for your life. I allowed you to have that. 
so that you can show that you just need me. Children of Israel stayed pursuing things that God didn't want them to pursue. And he said that generation erred and he only kept them alive just to get the next generation out of them. Man, praise God. That ain't us in Jesus name. That's our parents generation. And I'm just like, <laughs> I'm sorry, mom. <laughs> God only kept you alive to give birth to me. Now I'm just like, <laughs> uh, Luke twenty two forty two, um, And I, I, I'm going to close on, on this. Um, it says, saying, Father, if you are real willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but always your will be done. I talked about what, what, how do you know what you're driven by? By the temptations you give into or the temptations you're overcoming. But what does it cost us to keep God's presence from being strong in our lives? We have to get to the place where Jesus was because it's all about Jesus. Tell your neighbor, it's something about the name of Jesus. And if I knew how to sing, I would sing that part. You guys ever heard that song? It's, it's powerful. But it says, saying, Father, Jesus is at this place where there's a cup presented to him that he is asking God to take away. He's saying, God, please take this cup away. I don't want this. And, and if, if God, he, he didn't, Jesus could have chose not to take the cup. He would have made it back to heaven. He, he would have been good. He, he would have been straight. God would have, you know, God might have been disappointed at him, but Jesus, well, I ain't tripping. I'm still in heaven, so <laughs> forget them. But he, but he was at a place where it wasn't about him. That's what you have to understand. The presence of God is not just about you. It's about your family. It's about the people that are connected to you. He got to this place where he was willing to have a radical surrender after God by saying, not my will, but your will be done. What does that mean? If we want to keep the presence of God in our lives, we have to be willing to die to our wills. It was hard to try to get that one out. <laughs> but we got to die to our will so Christ can resurrect his will within us. My question is to you guys, how many cups are you passing that God wants you to take, but you're still praying for him to manifest his life and his, his presence in your life? How many cups are, are we passing when God says, hey, I want you to give up that relationship. Nah, you guys are shacking. You guys are having sex. I want you to put this relationship on hold. Not saying it's not for another time, but once you give that up to me, once you give that up to me. See, he asks us to do things that is a sacrifice to us. But anytime God asks you to give something up is to get something to you, not take something from you. And when we, or excuse me, ladies, sometimes we think, that when a guy moves in with us, we're actually one step closer to marriage. But actually, you're one step away from marriage because he's just living with you until the next better thing come along. He's got you become convenient now because you compromise the very values that he loved about you. I'm not picking on the ladies. I'm sorry. But what I'm saying is the presence will cost you something. It's going to cost yourself a dying to the will, dying to your self-will, dying to what you want so Christ can resurrect what he wants. Amen. And Second Peter, you guys can just put this in your notes. Second Peter uh, 1, it says that uh, God has given us his divine nature to, es to escape the corruption. Oh, we got it? Man, you on point. That's what I'm talking about. It says, for his divine power has bestowed upon us all things that are requisite and suited to life and godliness through the full personal knowledge of him who has called us by into his, his what? His own glory and excellence, virtue. 
it's his calling. It's not our calling. That means when he calls us to give up something, we have to respond to that. Or it's no longer us living in his calling. We're just doing what we want to do. And it says right here, by means of this, he has bestowed on us his precious and exceeding great promises so that through you, through them, you may escape by flight from the moral decay, rottenness and corruption that is in the world because of covetousness, lust and greed and become uh, sharers, partakers of the divine nature. Christ's nature gets developed when we're in his presence and in his presence, he will lead us to do things that we may not feel comfortable with. As uh, the young lady talked about in her testimony, he may cause he may ask us to give up relationships, give up money, whatever it is. If the presence of God is asking you to do it, you are in a treat for an amazing journey. You are in for an awesome opportunity for God to manifest himself to you. Amen. Amen. If well, I got my orders. <laughs> um, so, I, you know, as the worship team is coming up, um, I, I love to be sensitive to the to the spirit of God. So um, I would like to just kind of close out on some worship. Amen. And I believe a prayer team will be up here. And, you know, I know sometimes it's hard to give up things that we are connected to because we have no other sources of love that we're connected to. And what do I mean by that? There was things in my life that God began to tell me to give up. And I didn't want to give up because I didn't have community. I didn't have other sources of love. So it was kind of hard to give up something that is the only thing that's making me happy. But these things were false idols in my heart. Amen. Until I got to a place to where I had nothing but God. Till I was... Don't be shocked when I say this till when I was in prison facing 15 years to life when God was telling me all those deeds that I was doing that brought me there. He was saying, son, stop. You Stop this. I have something in store for you. And because I didn't listen and I'm not preaching doom and gloom, but because I didn't listen, my personal life, he allowed me through my bad choices. It wasn't his original tent, but my bad choices brought me to a place I had nothing but God. See, it says his goodness leads us to repentance. But when his goodness is not leading us to repentance of not keeping his presence first, then the psalm says it was good that I was afflicted lest I went astray. So I want y'all to get into his presence through the goodness, not through the affliction. <laughs> the affliction doesn't feel good at all. It was such a vulnerable place being in prison with all these buff guys who can beat me up easily. <laughs> um, but I got to a place of surrender. I cried out to God and I began to make vows to God and I kept them. And yes, let's play softly. And I said, God, if you get me out of here with no lawyer, public defender who didn't believe me. If you get me out of here, you be my advocate. You be my lawyer. You took my sin and, and, and you took the penalty so that I can have grace. I can have redemption. I can have reconciliation. Get me out of here, God. I will pledge my life back to you. And when I made that choice, when I said that confession, he began to move. Because what he's told me is, son, all I wanted was you. All I wanted was you to want me so I can give you the life you want. Oh, that's good. 
All I want is you to want me so I can give you the life that you want. But that's going to come from you putting me first in every area of your life. And shortly after, supernatural things begin to take place. He began to show me, I called you to preach. I called you to share my son and preach the gospel. And everything that I sought for in my life, apart from God, I now have it in God. Satan is the greatest poker player. He bluffs you into giving the hand that you have that is better than the hand that he's offering you. (laughs) So I want you guys to stand up with me. I believe I'm speaking to destiny people. I believe there's some cups that God may be asking you guys to be willing to take and sacrifice what you want for what he wants. And I realize that we're not going to change from our ways through willpower. It's going to come from encountering the presence of God. I didn't change on willpower. I didn't have enough willpower to willpower my way out of sin. It was daily dosage of his presence in my life. That begin to fuel me to come out of a life of promiscuity. That begin to fuel me to come out of a life of drug dealing, hustling. It begin to fuel me to come out of bondage, out of darkness, into light. It was his presence, abiding, resting. I put it first in my life. And he began to accelerate me in the things of God. Amen. Redemption took place. That which was once in place taken out of place and put back in place that's redemption sin brought me out of place but Jesus came to put me back in place and therefore at that place restoration began to happen in my life I'm truly convinced that if you surrender to the presence of God tonight restoration will begin to happen in your life I declare restoration in people's lives what was lost with canker worms and locusts have eaten up in your life what sin has stolen when you get to the place of surrender God can bring it back you may feel like you messed up plan a for your life and b and c when you surrender to God he can make d better than all of those he can make it all better and he's working it all for his good amen so just lift your hands up as a sign of surrender And as there's so much freedom in this place already, I don't need to coach you guys into just speaking to your daddy, speaking to your father. And begin to repent if you have to. Revival is measured by the level of repentance. Repentance coming back to his presence so he can revive me back to what he wants. Allow him to revive you. Allow him to resuscitate you from them things that are keeping you blocked and bound and as they sing I'm going to be up here for anyone who would like prayer and I feel like there may be somebody in here that has a relationship and you know keep playing for me and you know that's not God I'm asking you give that up for Jesus and watch how he'll bring somebody better Amen. And if you can't break it on your own, I want you to come up and I want to pray that soul ties be broken off your life. I want to pray that you give back to God what you gave to someone else so he can restore what he wants in your life. So, Father, I lift up your people in here as they are surrendering all to you, as they are open and they heard the word. 
Father, I pray that you begin to speak to them, Lord. We thank you that it's your goodness, it's your love that leads us back to your presence. There's no fear in your presence. Perfect love casts out all fear. I rebuke spirit of shame. I rebuke fear in the name of Jesus. I pray for surrender in this house, Father God. I thank you for your people. In Jesus' name, amen.